Welcome to Scott and Minaj's podcast. It is the towards the end of March 2020, and this is our global pandemic episode. So, just to set us up, I have to say that uh, since the last episode, things have changed dramatically here in our little world and globally. Um, since the end of 2019, uh, the world has been afflicted by a virus called COVID-19, otherwise known as coronavirus, and it's had a dramatic effect on China, Asia, Italy, and the rest of the world, and of course, here in the United States, when we, where we live in New York especially. Um, we, as two people, have not been affected by it yet. Yet, but we do seem like we are surrounded by it. Um, I have to say, since we've been knowing each other and together, we've had three major international situations. Number one, nine eleven. Just shortly after we got married, and then global gigantic global economic downturn in 2018 20 2008 and now this so Naz, um first thing i want to say to you is <coughs> how would you compare this uh major conflict or of this major issue with the other things that we've dealt with in the past Well, I mean, I think this is um, something that is about one's health and it's about people, you know, um, being told to quarantine themselves in a way that perhaps reminds me of stories that I read about World War II. Um, I just talked to someone who was alive during World War II and he said this is called the duration, the duration. So... You know, we're basically being asked to quarantine, not to have any kind of social connections with people that we know, to stay within our home, which means just your immediate family. So I think that's kind of strange. And also I think what's strange about this is that there's a few few goods left in the market. Uh, we're in New York City. Uh, we have two-thirds of the cases in the United States which is very high. We're a concentrated place uh, where we live. We're also, we're close to the city, but we're also close to Westchester County, which is also very infected. And I think I think what's, what's interesting is that um, everybody is thrown into this virtual realm of work, school, um, and just mitigating our lives in an uncertain way that makes us reflect on our existential reality, our health, but also who we are at home with each other. Yeah, I think the, the big takeaway uh, in terms of terminology for this event is social distancing. So for posterity's sake, what we mean by social distancing is that uh, in an attempt to um, flatten the What's the terminology? Flatten the... Um, plateau. The, flatten the plateau, I guess it is. Uh, in order to break the virus's ability to, to transmit, 
we were being asked to socially distance. So how does that manifest itself? Well, movie theaters, all kinds of entertainment complexes are closed. For me, now, two weeks ago, um, I'm involved with an opera in New Rochelle, which is a town just adjacent to us. And we were asking ourselves, should we continue with our spring programming? And at that time, the question seemed, you know, like none of this we we didn't really really understand how any of this was going to happen and uh how our entire world would be turned upside down but interesting thing interestingly new rochelle became you know one of the focal points of the news um cycle for being a place where coronavirus was being spread so you know it was just a uh beginning of this idea that all kinds of social events would be shut down and this is what we're seeing um, it's it's a massive ripple effect and I think at the time we are sitting here recording this it's difficult to put our mind around exactly how many things will be affected but just give me your thoughts on some of the things you think will be major takeaways or maybe even two or three years from now will be um, a change in society because of this. Well, it's weird. You know, I sometimes feel like this, aside from the fact that people are dying, dying from this virus, I kind of appreciate this moment of existential reality. And I appreciate it because I think that we essentially I fall into this kind of rhythm of I'm too busy, I can't see you and now all of a sudden we're hearing on social media and everywhere else, oh my god, I can't see you, I can't have coffee with you, I can't have a meeting with you, I can't see my students, I can't you know, be in a room uh, with more than 10 people at a time. So I, I think it's a very interesting way of looking at our inner selves in terms of who we are, what we really want, and to reconfigure and reevaluate where we stand as humanity. Do we go back maybe in two months and say, okay, I have all these things to do now. I'm so busy. I know people in Zoom meetings that I've been on are still talking about how busy they are. But I can't imagine that they're as busy as they were when they weren't quarantined or were, well, were doing that, social to that, distance. To that point, do you think the typical American has a well of unrealized uh, social potential that they're going to cull through this crisis? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that there are many things that we're going to learn from this crisis. One is how much telecommuting we can, communicating we can do, or commuting as they call it. Um, I think the other thing we're going to realize is how important our families are. I think the other thing we're going to realize is how certain people or key people who deal with health um, and essential services are important in our lives. Um, I think the other thing we're gonna we're gonna also understand is you know political honestly governmental policies all over the world that are affecting us now and people are dying because we don't have enough beds or we don't have enough ventilators or ways to test um, ourselves. But I also think, um, there are practical things we can learn from this experience and we can learn some existential things and we can learn some things about one another and who we are as a society. Um, 
I think it's nice to see people joking. I think it's interesting people want to go out into nature. Um, before this thing um, broke out, I saw most people on their phones, sitting on their laptops, inside offices, and now parks are crowded. So is it our inner nature to actually go oppositional in terms of what we are allowed and not allowed to do? Yeah, I think one of the major repercussions is going to be a revisiting of the just-in-time nature of the logistics chain. Because, you know, logistics chain now is something that's on everyone's mind. I'm sure it was on no one's, hardly anyone's mind just three months ago. But when the logistics chain breaks down, you have certain things you just can't get. And the fact of the matter is that most goods we have these days are made piecemeal over different countries, for instance. And uh, if we're going to have this kind of situation where uh, certain segments of the global population gets locked down, we have to revisit this kind of thing. I mean, and uh, in terms of being in America, we now understand that a large amount of our um, pharmaceuticals, not related to this, but, you know, things that people need are made in India and China, not here in the United States. Well, I mean, I I think I've been saying this for, you know, 20 years that we have been globalized for a long time and not ready for it. And we've had podcasts where we've talked about, you know, the rise of hatred or racism. It's because it happens so quickly. And I think we were so buried in our lives. We don't look at things like logistics. Like you, you've you been involved with that uh, for 23 years yeah. on the ports. We don't look at where our sweater is made. Um, we don't look at where our furniture is made. We just, we're consumers. And I think this is one of the ways that we can perhaps think through what's going on. And I'm not saying it's negative or it's posi- uh, positive. I'm not making a judgment of what we're going through. And I think we don't have to judge everything. But I think what we can do is reflect and think of and be more conscious about the contours and the physical objects of our lives. Well, to build on that, I think, you know, and I like to, I would really like to look at the, the silver linings of this kind of, of crisis because um, right away the governmental response has been to look at our weak aspects of our, our, our fragile aspects of our, our society and how they can be remedied now this has been talked about by a lot of left wing um, individuals like Bernie Sanders about how student debt is an issue um, how you know, a full universal health care is an issue. And these things are now sort of right in the face of arch conservatives that are in charge of our government. And they are acting like socialists in the face of this crisis. And it's, and it's interesting because... Well, I, I'm just going to correct you for a second. They're not acting like socialists. They're realizing that socialism is lacking in our infrastructure of the government. Mm. And therefore, they have to implement social needs. Right. And I think that's a big difference. They're not acting as anything. They're acting as, this is what we need. We need health care. We need more beds. We need to feed the poor. We need to take care of the elderly. We need to do a lot of things that we have been backed up with. And I think that is uh, a very important 
societal lesson. Well, I mean, again, the, the example I want to give uh, is, <clears throat> it's not a perfect example, but it's a good one. So I saw a news report the other day that said most airlines are going to be bankrupt. Of course, this is March now. Bankrupt by May. Why? Because there no nobody's traveling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> in recent years, the re the way airlines have been um, behaving was to do things. I'm not going to bore you with what they're going to doing, but do things to juice up their uh, stock price, so that very few people who are in enjoying wealth at the top. at the top who can um, benefit from those kind of activities will get more money. And it's, that's that's really not how you run a business if you want it a long term. It's, you're going you're gonna to prepare for a rainy day. They have not prepared for a rainy day. They're mega billion dollar companies who have done nothing to prepare for a, million, or a rainy day. And so now they're looking at a situation where they're going to come to who? You and I, taxpayer, taxpayer A, yep. taxpayer B, yep. Mrs. And Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer, and look for a bailout. And for you know what? for and you know CEOs what? that make $11 million exactly. as you know the head of airlines. They, they should not get one because of their behavior. This is how they've, they've run their business. And uh, it's an issue. We have to, along with, you know, understandings of healthcare and and logistics that we just discussed, this kind of crisis can also bring to mind to the regular person how businesses are run and, and the ramifications they're in. How much time do we have? Can, can, forever. It doesn't matter. Okay. So anyway, I wanted to read something that I wrote. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. um, it's just called Reflection. So I wrote... The stillness of time grips us deeply, chiseled away from the busy schedule of meetings, walking in and out of strange doors, coffee in the office, hallway gossip, seeing your colleagues' faces, and those tender young faces that sit in front of you as you pontificate the academic content and discussion of your expert material. Perhaps you should have spent more time discussing the meaning of life or a pandemic so that the young, restless minds could grapple with death and closure a bit easier. Easing oneself in the house alone or full is an uncanny feeling. Home is where we live. But do we live in our homes or just pay the rent mortgages as guests who travel in and out of the doors like clockwork? As the world closes its borders and travels around the world, we sit here in anguish wishing we lived in a place where there was no social distancing, but we realize there is no such place and there is no exit. There is no Venice, Berlin, Paris, London, Karachi, Sarajevo, Athens to escape to. We have to live in the place we live and have a home. We are all here together and we sit still, waiting for schools to reopen, rearrange our duties in the house, make sure we have lots of food, clean the house and check on our toilet paper. What do we make of this isolation? A good time to read, lie with your kids in bed, watching a movie, grilling in parks, walking with your partner under the open sky where the virus cannot sustain, it seems. 
Don't touch your face. Don't cough, sneeze, and don't panic. What do we panic from? Work or too little to do? I think my fellow Americans, we're addicted to work, crisis, and routines. This, I hope, will be, in retrospect, a good exercise on who we are and how we react. What we do when nothing seems accessible and certain. Breathe, relax, time stands, never still, my friends. Remember, we fill up our time like it is a vessel. Calendars, meetings, trips, and appointments make up most of our lives. Today, none of this is important, but health and the love of those we have chosen to journey with in life. Well, I hope the sentiment of your piece, um, you know, there's a lasting notion like that going forward. I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, You know, this is a crisis that could end in a few months, but there's going to be a lot of reflection. I think this won't be our first podcast on reflecting on what happened. Um, fragility of society. But at the same time, you know, we live in a place like New York where, you know, okay, you know, maybe there's not food in the stores and stuff like that, but we're not a fragile people in New York, I don't think. Is no, we're not. No, we're not. And I think we're going to fight through this. And I realize we have two-thirds of the cases. My concern is for the elderly and people with underlying cases. I'm also very concerned with kids. Yeah. I think children are suffering more, and I think the adults are louder, and the government hasn't even addressed that. Um taking kids out of their routine, some of them too young to understand what's going on, some of them in teenagers, like our daughter, yeah. who, you know, has a birthday coming up and doesn't know. And she's fine. I mean, she's a sensible girl. But, you know, that's just one instant. And then there's the poor families yeah. um, where they can't put food on the table, where, you know, people are organizing, trying to help them. But the government should be doing that. It should have been always doing that. And I think this is where you started with this whole socialist thing is that we should not have families of four to six in the United States worried about a pandemic because they can't afford to feed their kids because they couldn't hoard like all these other people. They couldn't go out and buy $200, $300 worth That's of groceries. Right. Even that they, was even their budget for a, maybe to. maybe two months. That's right. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't. They couldn't that. do it, and that's not fair. And we, as a society, have to understand where our ego is. That when we go into a store, yeah, you buy things for the week, or you buy you know things that you think are going to be used, and a lot of stuff gets wasted. I'm here to tell you. Right. I'm just going to give you an anecdotal thing. So. Today I went to a place near here in New York. It's called Stop and Shop. And for the first time, there was no meat to be had. But I mean that just literally nothing. No meat, no chicken, no fish, nothing. And as a sort of human reaction, I thought to myself, where could I go to, to bolster our stockpile of meat and stuff like that? Uh, and I went to a place uh, deep into Mount Vernon, which is a very low income environment a place called Food Bazaar 
And I walked in, and to my surprise, there was copious amounts of meat. Anything you could want. Everywhere, everywhere. Chicken and meat, everything, everything. And I said, well, is this because, you know, the people uh, who live here don't go to this place? Or maybe their logistics chain is better. Who knows? But it, it actually comes down to the fact that what Manas just said was that, you know, you know, I have the ability to go in there and buy Whatever whole, he wants, whole yeah. cart full of stuff. I could have put, you know, a hundred steaks in there or whatever I wanted to do. But the fact of the matter is there well, was tons of, well, steaks, I'm just but. saying, there was tons of meat. And the fact that there was tons of meat was that the majority of people there couldn't fill their carts with me if they wanted to. They had to make decisions. And that's an interesting thing. There's a there's a bifurcation here of this crisis Social. in terms of resources. Economic, yeah. But it's actually strangely upside down in a weird way because um, if you were a stop and shop shopper, you'd go home empty-handed because you, you didn't have anything um, because of resources. But they had everything there. Because they didn't have the ability to buy it all. It's which is interesting. I'm just going to leave it there on that. But it's yeah. an interesting thought, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, this is also, you know, a very big reflection for me. I'm, I'm actually on sabbatical. So I didn't have to go through chaos with my colleagues and everything. Yeah. But, you know, the, just the bottom line is I'm sitting here feeding my family. And I'm getting paid. And for a majority of Americans, come this Monday, which is the 23rd of March, mm -hmm. 2020, majority of service workers are going to lose their job. And I'm sitting here and thinking, what can I do to help? Um, so in the community I work in, in Riverdale, New York, we're trying to do several things um, to help the elderly, the homeless. Um, my friend and I have been thinking of putting together boxes of dried foods. Um, some of it we can chip in, but some of it we could start a GoFundMe and um, try to feed people. And this is the scary part. And I am completely in a very good position as a professor and director of a center, but you know, I get an income and I'm tenured, mm -hmm. but most people don't have that. And this is where I hope that that reflection is not just about meetings and being important, but it's about who we are as people with each other and in society. Yeah, we're very lucky in that regard. Um, and uh, it's just interesting to think about all the different ways that this crisis is affecting people uh, good and bad but um, it's been really interesting and I think our next podcast soon will be an update if you will I maybe mean, we're, sooner we're, than you think yeah, we well, have time. we're in the midst of it <coughs> we're in the midst of it, it's the end of March we've got important things like our, you know, our daughter is going to be 13 which is amazing and um 
uh, hopefully it, things won't get worse on our next podcast but uh, we look forward to we send everyone healthy wishes love and safety alright next time thank you bye bye